0: This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. Hey, Good Together listeners, I am so excited to welcome Julie Henry to the podcast today. And so, you know, as you know, at Brightly and Good Together, we support all creatures, great and small, and we also take the opportunity to learn from animals, which I know might sound kind of weird, but animals absolutely can teach us a lot. Whether that is how to adapt to climate change, um, how to become better leaders, even like it's uh, the amount of wisdom that Julie has uncovered in her book, Wisdom from the Wild, is so fascinating. I know you're going to love it. So we're today talking all about um, you just different uh, nuggets of knowledge we can learn from animals, um, whether we're talking about a naked mole rat or a sea cucumber. So I'm super excited. Welcome, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I'm excited too. It's great to be here. Yes. So yeah, just get us started. Like you have such an interesting background. Like tell me a little bit about how, you know, you got started on this journey and how you kind of transitioned from working in zoos and aquariums to getting into leadership consulting. Like fascinating.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I grew up in Chicago. So I'm growing up on the Great Lakes. Um my dad was a leadership development consultant. My mom was a teacher, and I was a science kid. So somewhere in the middle, I was gonna do something and stitch all of that together. Um, But, you know, in 1984, we moved to Cleveland and the lake was declared dead and the river was caught on fire. And I was 10 years old. And I thought, this is just not the way it's supposed to be. Um, So when I went to work at zoos and aquariums, I really was interested in teaching people about the environment. But I was also fascinated about the audiences that were not typical. Right. And for me, that was, you know, for example, Nabisco outside Chicago, they called us up once like, hey, we're looking for an interesting place to do a leadership retreat and thought about the aquarium. And I was beside myself with excitement. So I thought, gosh, if I can get these people who are not typically, again, like, you know, they might come to the aquarium with their families on the weekends, but if I can bring these corporate audiences in, use the coral reef as an analogy about how we can better communicate, well, now I've just caught their attention and taught them conservation lessons kind of as a Trojan horse, (laughs) in addition to helping them work together better as, you know, as a team, as a company.
0: Awesome. And I love that because you're right. I mean, having worked for big corporations myself before I started this company, there's so many opportunities where they're like, hey, like let's go into this training or whatever. And most of the time, your everybody kind of just rolls their eyes. They're like, okay, like I, I I know I wanna, you know, level myself up, but I also have this giant uh presentation I have to do, you know. And so there's a lot of competing things for people's uh attention in that space. So you know, thinking about how to grab attention and then tie things back to the animal kingdom, I think is such a smart, you know, such a really smart, um, you know, way to do it. And so at what point would you say, okay, I, you know, I'm, I love what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm bringing people in and in talking about leadership, uh, you know, pr- uh, you know, principles, I guess, from the animal kingdom perspective, what made you decide to write your new book?
1: Yeah. So, you know, for 10 years, 11 years, I worked inside zoos and aquariums. And after a certain, you know, decade or so, I thought, well, I'm kind of ready to be creative on a new way. So I switched, right? So I started working as a consultant, working primarily with corporate contracts, still with some zoos and aquariums. And after 25 years, quite, quite honestly, of street cred, I took an idea that was from college, which was that coral reef analogy, and thought, well, now I've got enough case studies and examples. And really my whole career, you know, working with manufacturing clients in Alabama a couple of weeks ago, and they're coming off 12 hour shifts. if I can go, let me think about, let me help you think about it from a cheetah's perspective when we talk about resilience. Well, now they're paying yep. attention. And so it was time to put it down on paper and share it more broadly, which was terrifying and exciting all at the same time. <laughs> but I wanted to, to live on
0: without me and reach people that I couldn't reach um, individually. Yeah, I love that. And so Let's dive into the book because for me, just like, so um, Julie sent me a copy before we did this uh, recording and I had a chance to dive into it and there's there's just so many really interesting tidbits and honestly, I've never read anything like it. So uh, one quote I wanted to pull out was to, to, to start us off was, you know, you say that nature is the perfect teacher for the challenging and very personal concept of leadership and that, you know, this, you know, the book that that we're talking about really does show new and experienced leaders, how they can learn from, um, and be inspired by the wildlife around them. So tell me a little bit about like, you know, what, what's, let, let's go into some of those individual lessons from animals. I actually was really interested in, um, let, let's get us started with talking about sea turtles because I really like sea turtles. <laughs> Everybody loves those guys, right?
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. You know, We look to nature for so many other things, like inspiration for architecture and art. So let's think about leadership. And when you look at the sea turtle and you think about, well, gosh, they've been around for a really, really, really long time. (laughs) And, um, you know, as leaders, many times when we're faced with a decision, especially when we're trying to lead change or even coming through this pandemic, we're oftentimes thinking about, okay, so I did it last time this way. Or what would my mentor do or like, okay, what I should get everybody together. And at a certain point, all of those are really important, but the buck stops with you. You're the leader. And so the sea turtle teaches us when she um, goes, um, is hatched on a beach here in Florida, as an example, goes thousands of miles away, potentially, and they literally swims back. I can't even imagine. I mean, can you imagine being in the middle of the ocean? It's dark. You don't know where you're going and you're swimming (laughs) forever back and back and back. Right. Obviously, she's not relying on GPS and all of these things. And she's not overthinking it the way we might overthink leadership. She's literally driven by her purpose. And there's a point when you are a leader, again, when you're driving change, that it gets hard. It just does. And I'm sure it does for that sea turtle as well. But if you dial back into, why did I start leading this change? What is the purpose? What is my why, as Simon Sinek would say, that will help you get through and there's, you know, techniques and things like that, but like literally half of it is just, okay, there's a reason I started down this path and I am going to finish it just like the sea turtle will come back to the same area from which she herself was hatched to lay her nest of eggs.
0: I mean, it's, it, for me, that was such a powerful story and we're going to talk about quite a few other ones here, but um yeah, as a leader myself and as somebody who's a female founder operating a company Started in a pandemic um, and now we're facing, you know, potentially a recession. People are very, you know, the, the, the jury's out on how, how big or how long that's going to you know, go through. But for me, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Um, and so being able to rely on leadership principles like this is really important for me as a leader and um, really helps comfort me um, in some instances. So I, I loved this story. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, you know, off the top of your head, are there other I mean, so I've got a, a few different um, stories I want us to get through in terms of animal uh, lessons. But like building on what I just mentioned about, like navigating uncertainty um, and, and just really being able to show up in, in, in spite of that. What are some other, uh, you know, off the cuff, some other examples that you can think of?
1: Um. You know, well, from the animal perspective, I would say that dovetails really nicely with my cheetahs, which anchors the book around resilience. Yep. And really, the reason I put the cheetah last is because it's fundamental, it's foundational to me. Um, because, again, just like we overthink how we're driving change, we overthink resilience and we tend to try to fit resilience in when it makes sense. Okay, well, <laughs> the thing about nature is like, there's things that are absolutely true. That's why I call them unbreakable laws. And Yep. We, you know, if you were to Google cheetah right now, if you, if everyone listening, like think about cheetahs, the first thing that comes to your mind is how fast they run, right? I mean, that's, what's going to come up on Google, things like that, but that is not what the cheetah spends the majority of their lives doing, (laughs) Yeah. say rest. And so just like you're saying, gosh, you're trying to lead this company through an uncertain time and and trying to face a recession. Um, so the energy management side of resilience is a biological certainty. OK, you're going to slow down mentally, physically, emotionally, et cetera. The only choice you have is whether you do it proactively or reactively. Yeah. And so the idea of Cheetah slowing down is a biological principle that should bring you comfort as a leader. And it should also give you that permission and that motivation to set the boundaries where you need to. Because uh, the truth is, you, if you can't show up as a whole self as a leader,
0: then you're not going to
1: have the impact you are actually designed to have in the world.
0: Absolutely. And I, you know, that to me is just so important to think about when we think about resilience and pacing ourselves. And granted, we know cheetahs typically run in, in bursts, but to your point, they're not doing that all the time, right? They're 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 strategizing, right? They're resting, they're figuring out the best way to utilize their energy. And so thinking about that and applying it to workload and the way that we all show up is, is really important. Um, and actually, it's something I talk about often with my team at Brightly. Brightly has uh, 10 employees now, which is super exciting. And one of the things I'm always really focused with um, them on is the concept of prioritization and trying to think through how we're going to accomplish everything we need to accomplish without burning ourselves out. Uh, We're a remote first company, so it is even more of a challenge to get people to step away from their computer. I think a lot of people, when we went into this work from home space, started to think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to just be able to do whatever I want from home, right? Like maybe I can do some work a little bit. Maybe I can do some laundry and, you know, that works sometimes, right? But if you have a lot of stuff to do, you can sit down at your computer and then look up and it's been four hours because you don't have somebody tapping you on the shoulder, asking you a question, or, you know, you don't, you're not listening to conversations in the background. So while I think it can be a good thing, oftentimes it's it's not a good thing. And so uh, my team and I are constantly focused on that. And one of one of the concepts i also took a lot from the book was um you had quite a few interesting stories about animal teamwork and how animals come together to you know uh you know create different outcomes and and thinking about the way this can apply to company dynamics is really interesting and so i think i talked a little bit you know at the top of this recording about the naked mole rat so folks um if you're watching this in a video we're gonna like put up a picture of a naked mole rat right now just so you remember what this looks like because yeah. it's, it's it's a very interesting animal I'll tell you that but <laughs> the story for me was really interesting so Julie tell us a little bit more about like how what what the heck do naked mole rats have to do with teamwork I, I'm so curious <laughs>
1: Yeah, and if you're watching this video, I have to just say, I was just looking around because I used usually have my naked mole rat stuffed animal right behind <laughs> me. And I, went,
0: well, <laughs> so I, I love it. Because
1: every, everyone's got one, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and before I explain that, I just want to say that the reason why I wanted to use naked mole rats is because I have a heart for teams, for leaders, for companies that don't often get assumed to be as awesome as they are, right? And so naked mole rats, as an example, they are a mammal that lives in Africa and sub-Saharan Africa. And when we first discovered naked mole rats in the 1800s, they were so bizarre and so unusual looking that we as scientists assumed that they are a mutation and we should just Ignore them. So we hmm. literally ignored them until the 50s, 1950s, when we rediscovered them. And like lo and behold, naked mole rats are like, well, we're still here doing our thing, and y'all are just like overthinking them, right? Yeah. Um, and so you know, they are amazing because they are mammals that actually live together in a highly sophisticated colony, like bees. And so they're working together. They're building tunnels. They're literally navigating by um, set <laughs> trails of urine because they're basically blind. They have yep. to pile on top of each other to, to keep their um, body regulated because even though they're mammals, they have a hard time doing that. And so they look kind of weird, um, and yeah. but I love them. And they're highly, highly successful and functional. And so the analogy and the motivation from the leadership side is when you are putting together a team and instead of a putting together the team you did last time, because it worked so well, well, now yeah. you've got a new project, a new goal, or putting together the people that you really like to work with, because, you know, it's just easier sometimes to work together with people that work like us. Well, we know that's not going to be as successful for the outcome. And so when you're intentionally as the leader designing your team, ignoring the naysayers and taking a chance either on people that may not be the first pick in your mind for that team and operating differently than people think you should, because your team of naked mole rats can accomplish even more because they're different because they look unusual because maybe for that team meeting, you're going to have it at five o'clock on a Friday outside taking a walk because you just need to um, or whatever that makes sense. And so, um, Relying on your intentionality as a leader and your trust and your ch- and you know, I want you to champion. Like I tell people all the time, like I'm so happy to be on Naked rat teams and to lead Naked rat teams. Like, <laughs> that means we're really to do something different, and I'm yeah. on board with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, and listeners, even if you aren't, you know, necessarily quote unquote a leader in a workspace, of course you're going to be a leader in your friend group and your family, um, and just encouraging diversity of thought, um, in your conversations, encouraging diversity of people who show up and are a part of your lives is so important, especially today's world where I feel like we've all just become so self-selecting in our bubbles and who we talk to, who who we're getting information from. And it, it, it's just the lack of diverse thought is really, really hurting us. Um, and so actually when I come to think about how, um, you know, I build up teams, um, Diversity is something that is, you know, always something that we can all work on. Um, I don't care if you um, think that you're an expert; you certainly aren't. Like, there's always, always room for opportunity. And so, the way that we do it at Brightly is making sure that we are, um, you know, when we have open roles, which we don't often have because we're still a small team, making sure that we're like looking to different areas, different pipelines for recruiting, um, and then also for for the team that we do have, making sure that we are um, including. A diverse range of voices in other ways. So like, whether that's partnering with different with content creators um, that are from the BIPOC community, or, you know, making sure that we are talking about the lens of environmental justice, um, and how it is impacting, um, you know, different communities around the world. Those are just two examples, but making sure that regardless of, you know, even the, the actual team members themselves, we are bringing a light and then allowing the folks who are in those spaces to have the voice, right. To, to uplift them and letting them speak is something that we're, we're really passionate about it brightly. Um, and so it's something we can always do better on. And so we're, we're constantly working there, but it's something that we, we really enjoy doing as well.
1: That's awesome. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that because I think what you're showcasing for people is not only your intentionality as a leader, but you're willing to pull back the transparency, right? Pull
0: back the layers and show people the inner workings.
1: And that's what naked mole rats are all about. Like, look at all these funky tunnels. Like, did you notice that one? Let's go down that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. And honestly, as we're talking about naked mole rats, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the honey badger,
1: <laughs> uh, you know, and and,
0: the, and of uh-huh. course, the, the old meme of like the honey badger doesn't care. <laughs> the honey badger just goes and does whatever he wants. Right. And so, um, you know, there is a little bit of that I feel like happening with the naked mole rat. <laughs> I'm on board with that. <laughs> That's right. Rolling up the sleeves and, and doing what needs to be done um, and just mm-hmm. and just powering through is really important to me. Um, okay, so another team um anecdote I thought that was really interesting, which goes super along with what we're talking about in terms of making teams that are um, you know, of all shapes, sizes, um, you know, races, et cetera. Um, and I and I really liked the um, you know, the giraffe and termite analogy. So tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that
1: yeah you know when um when you look at an ecosystem for you know for example in this ecosystem as an african savannah, you know again i I think the the effort to include diversity access inclusion social justice, all of these um causes issues, et cetera that we talk about and that should be our lens et cetera we we talk about them, and they are not easy that is not my point my point is. <laughs> they should be intentional. Because yeah. if you look at the African savanna, like it's not a bunch of giraffes just walking along, like surviving. Yeah. No, it's giraffes and zebras and termite mounds. And so sometimes I'm thinking, why are we debating this as humans? Because if you just look outside, like look at everything needs to be different in order to survive and to work together. And so on the African Savannah, you know, the giraffes of course are looking out and they can see danger well before some of the animals that are quite literally shorter than them. Yeah. Um, but the Analogy of, or not even an analogy, the fact of the fact that um, in a savanna which doesn't have a lot of green spaces, the green spaces that they found when scientists found these just recently, they were doing some research and they like literally dug beneath the surface and found termite mounds, and they realized that what was happening was that the termites were helping in that decomposition, which was again. Refertilizing, if you will, that land, and so that was bringing over other animals because now there's more food for those animals. So in this case, yep. the giraffe, and so giraffes and termites, while they might not uh, look like they need each other and not always intersect, they in fact do need each other. And in my work, I gave an example in the book, you know, um, recognizing that people see the world differently than me. And, and the example I gave, which which will not be a surprise to your listeners right now, is that I tend to need to use a lot of words in order to think things through and, and I have lots of ideas that I want to we share. We all do. We I, all do. Right. <laughs> but as I've been in these meetings and been on teams and, and, and to your point, like been in community organizations, not even in corporations. And I've watched how some people are listeners and they're process thinkers. And yep. I love being around those people because they're not like me. And I've had to slow down and I've had to realize like, oh my gosh, in this situation right now, I'm the termite and they're the giraffe and we need each other in <laughs> order to advance this cause or whatever that is. And that is hugely um encouraging, but it's changed the way i work. You know, like for example, when I lead this workshop next week and typically people stand up and say, Okay, we're gonna do really quick brainstorming. Okay, well, there's people in the room that don't
0: think quickly
1: but they don't so like that, thinking- right?
0: Yeah. Well,
1: they don't. not only are they not, don't like it there, you're not being inclusive. Like if you're mm, trying to yep. do DEAI, you have to include the people that are, are process thinkers. So now what I do is a few hours earlier, if I can, or I send an email, we're going to brainstorm X topic. And now I've in, been able to be equitable
0: in my mm. inclusion
1: of how people think differently and can participate equally. And then allowing them to share ideas afterwards via email or something like that for people who may not feel comfortable. As well, so there's yes. ways to reframe your thinking for all those termites and giraffes that you need
0: absolutely. Um, and we that that's such a good point too about people sometimes not being comfortable standing up and expressing their opinions like that. I feel like, obviously, right now in today's world, and probably really since the beginning of time, the loud people are the ones who get the attention, right? Whether we're talking about in person or even on social media, um, right? I feel like that's a lot of times like why people have such a negative view of people who don't fit inside their bubble because they're really only getting information from the loud people right and so most of the time everybody else is is probably just like you know what like i'm just not super comfortable standing up and and making a statement or you know if you were to ask them one on one they'd be more than happy to talk to you about certain things but um we absolutely as a society You know, prioritize our attention on the loud folks. So, making sure that you are Mm -hmm. um, thinking through the variety of ways that people want to show up, whether you're talking about a workshop. Really, just even in day to day work or within conversations with friends and family, I think it's so interesting, so i I really loved that story <laughs> awesome, <I'm so> <laughs> yeah, okay, so I was looking to see do we have that? there of course there's so so many amazing truly facts um, that Julie's uncovered about the animal kingdom that that really fit into these various themes. um There was one more I feel like that we didn't cover about uh about teams, and so you talked a little bit about this earlier, but tell us a little bit more about the the, the coral reef, um, you know, mm. uh, thought exercise, like how can we think, I mean, a lot of us know, right. Coral reefs are very much, um, in decline right now because of, you know, human interaction and, and, and global warming and all these things. Um, and so a lot of us, I think know a decent amount about the coral reefs, but how would you like mm-hmm. take that situation and now apply it to leadership?
1: Yeah. So, What I love about coral reefs is it refocuses our attention, again, intentionally on foundational elements, because whether you are giving a presentation, I have a great friend of mine, he's a presentation skills coach, and he goes, he says, we have to go back to the foundation. Okay. So right now we're talking about teamwork. And if you think about coral reefs, if you and I could jump in the water right now off the coast of Florida, where I live, and we would look about, look at our coral reefs. Again, like you said, we know a lot about coral reefs right now. But chances are our attention is going to be more quickly grabbed by the shark that swims by or the barracuda or the cool little tube worm popping up or the lobsters crawling by. And so very quickly we're diverted, whether that in in an organizational setting is, you know, the super loud leader or the problem that needs to be solved or the new grant funding that we got or the new market demand that comes. I mean, you name it constantly. Things are changing, which are all those animals that might catch our attention but the foundation remains integral to the health of the team, the organization, et cetera. And so just like when people, coral reefs are dying off with global warming, et cetera, uh, but also just that people just stand up on a coral reef and they don't even know yeah. <laughs> they're standing up because it's quite literally not assumed to be alive. And yep. so so often to the teamwork side of things, we get involved in these teams, or we're leading these teams, and we think, well, we don't want to waste anybody's time. We're just going to pull together a bunch of people and say, okay, or or we intentionally put them on a team. But <laughs> how often have you been in a team meeting and it starts off by saying, well, we all know why we're here. We're just going to get right to it to not waste anybody's time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or um, we know where we're going after. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That we've just glossed over the foundation. Yeah. And I am telling you, I go into these companies and do 360 evaluations. I'm talking international multi-billion dollar companies and people are saying to me i still don't really know why this team exists yeah why are are we in this team meeting and people are on their phone half the time this is totally not productive okay so foundations that's where the coral happens because literally i mean coral reefs are what 25 percent of the marine life is is rooted someplace in their lifespan in coral reefs all right if they disappear like literally a quarter of the marine life is gonna disappear. So what, is, what are your foundations? What are your foundations that you have a tendency to gloss over because I'm telling you, they are more important than you even realize.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we've all been there in jobs where it's not clear like what the actual goals are, right? Like we've all been there and we were scratching our head like, wait a second, like you're telling me to do this, it doesn't seem to match up with this. And um, actually, we just had a bunch of new people um, join Brightly, which has been a really exciting part of, uh, you know, growing the team. But as people are onboarding, it's a startup. There's like a million things going on. It's like shiny object here, shiny object there going after we could probably do that one, right? Mm -hmm. A parrot, like there's a parrot story over there. Right. Um, but just, you know, the, the temptation is so real, you know, I'll give them a goal, like, Hey, let's get more podcast listeners. Let's, let's pretend that one, right? Like they could come up with, I don't know probably 500 ideas and then they're kind of left, you know, just swimming in an ocean like hey, what do I do? I'm, I I I'm, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And so the way mm-hmm. I try to help them prioritize and think back to what you know what the goal is, it's not just, you know, get more podcast listeners, it's increase conscious consumerism and thinking about the foundation mm-hmm. behind that um and and mm-hmm. using that as a a you know a priority or a you know a by which we can help make decisions. That one is probably a little bit um, of a, a relatively vague goal. I have a few other really specific ones that we go through as a team. But anyway, I, I totally hear you on this one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's impact. I mean, it's, you're not empire building just an empire build, you're empire building for impact. Exactly. Absolutely. So for us, we always come back to that, whether we're talking about like a win, we always call it a win for the planet, or if something's not going the way we need it to, it's less of a like, okay, a personal thing, like, you know, XYZ didn't do XYZ. It's more like we kind of missed out on this opportunity to have the impact that we could have. And so that's really how we like to think about it. And one of the interesting ways that we, we try and do things uprightly. Um. So I guess the last um story I kind of wanted us to um share with the with the listeners is is kind of in the same space of thriving and like being in a in a world where you know quote unquote we are wired to not just survive but thrive and so you chose to highlight a sea cucumber again <laughs> another animal that people are probably not very familiar with. We need another picture thrown <laughs> up on the screen here but um it's it's you know it's not something most people are familiar with so like Tell us a little bit about this, about this creature. What's going on?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I'm that person when I'm snorkeling around coral reefs, I am diving down to look at the sea cucumbers and everybody else is distracted by the barracuda. Um, But, you know, like the naked mole rat, people often gloss over sea cucumbers and A may not even think this animal is an animal. Um, But B, just assume that it doesn't have the amazing uh, characteristics that it has. So a lot of times when we think about resilience and Whether or not we're we're trying to put it into practice and we're trying to uh, make sure that we are gonna get through the challenge that's in front of us, we get derailed as far as, well, I just have to get through it, right? How many times have you said that to yourself or to somebody else? Like, just get through it, and then tomorrow's another day. Okay, yeah. (laughs) But I want you to think about this sea cucumber, and hopefully your listeners have already seen an image at this point. But a sea cucumber literally looks like a sausage on the bottom of the ocean floor. Yeah. It's related to a sea star. So if you think about a sea star, probably most people know that a sea star can regenerate, can regrow its arm if it's it yep. cut off. Well, the sea cucumber, if a predator comes over, <laughs> the sea cucumber can eviscerate, which is is a super fancy scientific term, which means throw up its guts. Okay, so literally oh, wow. this animal just <laughs> throws up its guts, and that predator will either swim away or could choose to actually eat the guts. Now, here's the crazy, amazing part. That sea cucumber can not only live to see another day, but can regrow its own guts. Like regrow its own guts. And so crazy. Oh my gosh. Right. And so as leaders, like how many times have you had to go into that board meeting or face your team or go back home to your family and be like, oh my gosh, I just lost my job. Right. That's happened a lot in this pandemic. You literally feel sick to your stomach. Well, I want you to change your mindset. So much of resilience comes down to mindset, and I want you to literally challenge, channel, excuse me, channel your inner sea cucumber. Because it's not just I'm just going to get through this and I'll figure it out tomorrow. No. Like literally biologically, it is a fact you are wired not just to survive but to thrive. If a sea cucumber can regrow its own guts, you as a leader can Like literally rely on your gut memory. All those, I call it the miles and moments of leadership. The miles is all of your experience that you're bringing, right? And the moments are those expertise and those two things combined. I don't care how many years you've been on the earth, how many years you've been in your company. It doesn't matter. Your miles and moments are unique to you. And that is where you rely on that gut memory and go, okay, I'm just gonna make that the next decision. Whatever it is, I just have to make it. Yep. Nature abhors a vacuum. Leadership abhors the absence of a decision. Make that decision and then not just to survive, but thrive. And you will not just live to see another day. You'll be better for it.
0: Yep, absolutely. And so for me, too, the other thing I took away from that, uh, you know, uh, analogy was, you know, you know thinking about you know, throwing up your guts like that is like a big risk that the sea cucumber mm. takes right um they they basically have kind of this life or death decision to make they make it because they need to um and then they move on and that's another thing too which is like as bad as you think it is in the moment you can move past it you will move past it and it's it, we can move on even if it means we have to like completely you know, regenerate our guts, right? Like we can move on and we will, because we are resilient uh, creatures, whether we're talking about animals or people. And so I also kind of took that away from that story as well. Yeah,
1: I love it. I mean, who's led through a pandemic? Zero people. Zero people. <laughs> so y'all, y- y'all who have been leading through the pandemic, you have been channeling your inner sea cucumber already. Now you just have another little like animal to put on your shoulder and be your uh, resilient sea cucumber spirit animal.
0: That's awesome. Well, uh, you know, one last thing I kind of wanted to ask you before we we start to wrap things up was, you know, one thing that really stood out to me as I read your book and kind of went through these really, really interesting stories from the animal kingdom was I noticed that you were highlighting animals that like, weren't necessarily getting as much attention or like people maybe weren't as familiar with them. So did you do that on purpose? Or was this kind of like, curious, like, how did your mind think about that?
1: Well, you know, through an equity lens, quite honestly, I have as many, I have, I have plants, I have trees, I have mangroves. I have just as many um, aquatic animals as I have land animals. I tried to highlight every taxonomic category I could. I missed out on amphibians because I just kind of ran out of room, but that's the next book. (laughs) Um, And I, and I have animals that are familiar and animals that are not because again, you know, one of my predominant messages is lead in the way that you are born to lead. And I want to champion people to lead in the way that they're designed to lead. And if you can learn from a cheetah that you know about or a naked mole rat that you don't, well, the naked mole rat's just as important as the cheetah, just like me as a quiet leader and you maybe as a loud leader. So that's where it all comes from. It was through an equity lens and um, being as fair as possible to both the people and the animals that I could include in the book.
0: I love it. Well, listeners, I want to go to a zoo and see all of these guys together. (laughs) Now they probably here. Oh my today. gosh. We've looked at an exhibit, but I want to see them all with their, you know, leadership degrees next to them. I feel like that's going to be a really cool experience. So let's make it happen. I will be, I'll be your tour guide. All right, you will. You'll, you'll be our tour guide. Um. So I really want to thank you for being on the podcast. Before we wrap things up, I always ask our guests um, the same question when we wrap things up, because I think it's really interesting to hear about their perspective. So the question is like, from where you sit, be it the author of this book, individual, or, you know, somebody who obviously is, is really um, interested in what's going on in the world around them. Like, what is exciting you the most about what you're seeing in ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement going on right now?
1: Mm. That's a great question. What's exciting me the most is that people are feeling comfortable asking new questions because the world has changed so much or the supplies chains are disrupted or um, what does organic even mean if I can't even get any food in the airport yep. that I'm in or the community I'm in or you know the food deserts, et cetera. And so I think people are comfortable asking questions that they haven't been able to ask before. Um, and they're comfortable sitting in the not knowing and creating the answers themselves. So I think the ingenuity that's gonna come out in the next five years is gonna be super exciting. And both the planet and the people are going to profit, quite literally, uh, from all of that.
0: Awesome. I love that answer, Julie. It's so funny. Like, I get a different answer every time, and they never cease to amaze me. So I love that. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. Um, Listeners, we are going to provide links um, of where you can, you know, uh, find more information about Julie's work. Again, her book is called Wisdom from the Wild, um, The Nine Unbreakable Laws of Leadership from the Animal Kingdom please check it out. Um, And Julie, thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. It was so great to be here with you.
0: joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And as a special thank you to our listeners, use code GOODtogether to get 10% off all products in Brightly's brand new shop full of planet positive swaps for your home. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay
1: curious.